Welcome to TBT with Grace and Emma, a podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. I'm Emma. And I'm Grace. On this week's episode, we chat about intergenerational justice in politics. We share some optimistic news. (laughs) (laughs) Optimistic news about an industry millennials are keeping alive. And we enlist friend of the pod, Jenny, to discuss the app TikTok. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Hey. Wow. Wow. It's March. It's like a full month since we last recorded. Yeah, it is. I mean, a short month, but still a full month. Totally. February. February. How was that? Um, for me, it was busy and it's been great. How about you? Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. It was a bad, bad month. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, nothing like, we'll work through it. Nothing, um, nothing needing like significant life coping from, but, um, I just feel like everyone I know was struggling this month. Yeah. And I, I was on so many different text threads that were just like people, friends, typically just trying to like give each other moral support yeah. in some tough times. And I think like people shit on January, but like I am here to tell you January is not the culprit. Mm. It's fucking February and March mm. because January you're still very much like in acceptance mode about winter. You're like, yeah, it's winter. Yeah. Like w- you come off the holidays you're still kind of riding that high. Like, no one expects much of you because you've, like, partied hard for New Year's. Mm-hmm. February just starts to get depressing. Hmm. That's my thought, anyway. I'm biased because I have a January birthday, as you all well know. But <laughs> um, I still think that February is far more egregious. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember, especially when I was in Minnesota with, like, seasonal affective disorder, February and March are the toughest because it's, like... Oh, this is still going on. Yeah. It's still really cold. Yeah. I mean, I love Minnesota so much, but I do remember that time being really, really brutal. Yeah. I'm suffering from a cold, Yeah, as you can hear in my voice. You also will hear in this episode a great interview with one of um, Grace's friends and my new... uh, Colleague. Colleagues, I guess. (laughs) Um, and in the middle of it, I like run out to have a coughing fit. So apologies, everyone. I know normally the post nasal drip is because of my allergies today. It really is about illness. So let's kick this episode off with a quick chat with Jenny about TikTok. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. It is an honor and we're a privilege. S- we're so excited to have you. <laughs> Um, Jenny, it's a particular delight because uh, throughout our time as friends, you have always kept me abreast of the important, uh, you know, cultural events of the moment. Before we get going, Jenny, do you want to do a quick just intro of kind of who you are, um, what you do, and sort of like how you ended up on this on this pod? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I am Grace's friend from college, uh, and now um, I am living in Florida. I'm a recent law school grad, Ooh. and I'm clerking for a judge right now. Nice. So, 
Yeah, and then uh, I was pestering um, the pod about, you know, if you guys were ever going to do an episode on TikTok, and uh, Grace graciously reached out to me and said, hey, like, why don't you come on as a TikTok consultant? So, yeah, excited to proselytize about it more. Jenny, the the Um, thought that you could ever pester us about anything is is just foundationally wrong and incorrect but we're we're well, so again, excited me because yeah. uh i've pretty much struck out when trying to recruit people to get into tiktok so what's um, your pitch you know, what's your pitch about when you uh, explain what tiktok is to folks okay so i think a fair assessment would be that it's Vine mixed with, I guess, like, more music. And um, as I mentioned to you guys, for me, what's appealing about TikTok is that you don't know what you're going to get when you're, um, like, swiping through and scrolling and stuff. Because TikToks can be anywhere from, like, just a couple seconds long to, like, over a minute. And then they range in content from comedy stuff, pranks, like DIY, people lip-singing, people doing dances that, like, take off and everyone, like, does them in a chain. They have a really sophisticated editing suite. And so, you know, imagine, like, the filters on Snapchat or Instagram, but, like, even more advanced. Um, It's just, like, a very fun place of the Internet And unlike Twitter, where sometimes you log on and you're like, uh, you know, this, this is old news. Like you can get really frustrated with the algorithm, but this is like the entire TikTok basically homepage is just the explore. Um, and so a lot of these things could basically be on Instagram or on Twitter, but because it's live action, it makes it even more fun and you can set it to music and stuff yeah um it just like elevates it to another level yeah so obviously uh we would need a really long like building for this to be a good elevator pitch Uh, (laughs) no i think that's it's so helpful starting from from that that level of complete like level of detail and so what who is who is the audience it's definitely gen z honestly high schoolers but one interesting aspect of the app is that it's, like, kind of cool to, like, involve your parents in some of the, or, like, other generations. Some of the most popular and viral videos have been with, like, your parents or have you seen the one where it's, like, um, like four or five different generations of families and it'll be, like, hey, mom, and then the mom says, hey, mom, to the grandma. It's, yes. like, so adorable. So, yeah, that's something where I feel like, parents are normally like the kiss of death on other um ones you know other social media applications but on this it's kind of like a more wholesome like incorporating of them i don't know got it what does this app accomplish that other apps don't just like vine there's like a sense of humor on the app that would not translate as well or you know you wouldn't really see reflected on instagram or you know, maybe to some extent Twitter can be a little more reverent, but um, I feel like one of the appealing things about TikTok is that it's so easy to film a video and stuff like that, um, and for whatever reason, like, the audience seems to respond well to, like, 
unadulterated content and aesthetics and stuff mm-hmm. um, as compared to the Instagram filtered uh, content that we typically see. And a lot of TikTok like plays with, I guess, your expectations. So like there's a whole trend of making it look like you're traveling, like you're looking through an airplane window, but it turns out like it's a milk carton and like <laughs> a picture of the sky. Got it. Uh, so it like plays with this like reality. Right. Um, Why do you think there is a resistance from your friends to hop on board? And um, hold on. Actually, Emma's going to blow her nose real quick. <laughs> do you need to oh, go? Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, I thought you. Sorry. She was a <laughs> Blood it out. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Jenny, you're catching me at a bad week. I'm having a lot of. Be a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I think that's a good question. Yeah. And, and what do you think is. And I'm guessing, Jenny, that many of your friends that you've like sort of pitched this to are millennials. Maybe not. Um, but I'm yeah. curious then why aren't they buying in? I think there's a perception that it's not really for us, that it's, like, for teenagers. Um, But, and also, I guess, maybe just in, like, the circles that I run in, um, you know, there are definitely people our age on the app. Like, it's huge in the military, but there's definitely, like, workplace TikTok where people are, um, you know, showing, especially, like, within the service industry, but you can see, like, people in coal mines using TikTok, like, people, uh, a lot of teachers, um, have made TikToks and, like, are really popular on the app and stuff, but as a lawyer, it's, like, for me, definitely much more frowned upon, Mm. um, for me to be, like, filming in my office. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure. But, to that, uh, there is a famous lawyer, he's always making TikToks, and an orthodontist, he was always making TikToks, and, like, promoting their business through that but um those are definitely the outliers i would say um but yeah as to the resistance it's you know a little disappointing because people like the videos overall like Mm -hmm. ones that i said or i'll see it like on twitter and it's blown up and stuff so i don't know i guess it's like reluctance to download one more app Mm. Um, i can see how there's maybe only space for one orthodontist tiktoker right like dr pimple popper on instagram there's not necessarily i wouldn't think like suddenly a huge market for uh dermatologists to go on instagram to promote their business whereas if there's like a culture in the military of sort of sharing experiences and connecting with other people that feels like a different thing than sort of using the using the platform to promote your personal business or brand totally and then also i think um a certain curiosity about like you know what what is it like in the military i read one article about tiktok in the military where they you know kind of concluded by saying we wonder if um the military will eventually use apps like tiktok to recruit Mm. um yeah, so currently I have to imagine that most of this is under the radar of, yeah. like, top Pentagon personnel. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> but right now, but, like, in the future, uh, you know, you could definitely see, like, them, like, trying to co-opt this, but... Right. Um, and translate those views into recruits and 
stuff. But yeah. that is one interesting thing about TikTok overall is that it seems like very user-driven. What do you expect this will mean for social media in the future? Or what would you anticipate the 2.0 of this app to be? Um, I guess what I would say is that TikTok kind of represents like a backlash to um, this like ultra-perfect social media mm. um, presence that I think a lot of people feel pressured to have. And, um, you know, where it's like, very much an indication of your popularity within your own social group mm-hmm. and tiktok is like at least in my experience pretty removed from that because it's not really about like who your friends are um you know people do have like accounts where you can follow and stuff um but it seems much yeah it, it's removed from you know at your high school how many friends mm-hmm. do you have and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah um and very much about like finding an online community i think um like furries are a big group on tiktok there's a lot of cosplay mm-hmm. um so groups that might feel marginalized in their own you know uh like physical community yeah um then can come online and and have like uh, a larger you know community presence yeah um and then also, like, one interesting thing about TikTok is that a lot of, like, effort and creativity is rewarded, I would say. Mm. Um, a lot of times, captions will just be like, I got detention for this, or I got kicked out of Target for this, <laughs> or this took me 10 hours to make this stop motion, um, you know, yeah. like, thing of my dog going up and down the stairs set to a wee tennis song. Um, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> as compared to, I think a lot of Instagram is, like, did you go on a spectacular vacation that cost a lot of money? Right. Um, so, like, there's definitely a meritocracy, I would say, involved in TikTok, as much as, like, people like to complain on the app that if you're, like, a pretty girl, then you get, like, a ton of likes and that there's a certain sense of, you know, inflation based on, like, superficial standards. Uh, for every one of those videos that succeeds, I would say, there's one... Um, of someone in no makeup or doing like intentionally aesthetically like an anti-ASMR video um, where someone (laughs) will like walk into a pond in their socks and then like walk inside their carpeted house and climb into bed and like just things that make you cringe (laughs) Um, I don't know so like playing with aesthetics I think will be something that uh, will be interesting to see like getting away from this um, kind of like a beauty filter, uh-huh. right? Which is kind of the, the the prominent thing on Snapchat or Instagram to one that's like playing up um, real life aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a trend I see. And then also like globalization of, mm. of trends. Um, you know, this started off as a Chinese app, I guess, or it's a Chinese app that bought Musical.ly. Um so a lot of the the viral content comes from different parts of of the world and because it's a very visual app um a lot of times like for a dance trend to to go viral you don't need to rely on twitter to translate it or Mm -hmm. anything like that Mm -hmm. um and because it pushes things to you it's not like 
Instagram where you have would have had to like express an interest in Korean beauty trends to to see that sure content. sure um, sure so yeah those are those are interesting things to me um, and and ways that I see like people outgrowing social media where it's connected to you personally huh. maybe does that make sense like you know uh, your parents and grandparents are now on Facebook yeah um, so kids have left Facebook um, <laughs> and then you know Instagram uh, I guess it's still kind of like youth oriented but now it's a lot of brands and yeah. celebrities and comes with its own baggage yeah um, so I would say that like the anonymity of TikTok is something that I think is appealing to people I don't know makes me feel optimistic Jen yeah no it's definitely like a fun corner of the internet um, and you know it's like a good way to just kill some time at the end of your day sure. and not get depressed by headlines because it's not like based on in, in journalism <laughs> you definitely do get like bless you Thank the you. insight <laughs> of like uh, you know getting your your finger on the pulse it's right like seeing a t-shirt shop like on the boardwalk you right. know you kind of see like what pop culture things are trending what political factions are happening um but yeah it's pretty cool that is so so neat and and one thing that i'm seeing um in in other spaces too is an increased uh desire for that type of community that can be just about building those relationships and not necessarily about building relationships along uh existing like professional goals or yeah uh, or um political interests but really looking for a space that that is about unity in a way that's more neutral um which obviously has its advantages and disadvantages but it's nice to know that a space like that exists and one that um seems to be pushing us towards a social media platform that uh, though is is not perfect because such a thing doesn't exist. Um, at least at least is dismantling some of the problems of our of our current suite of of most popular social media platforms. A hundred percent. Thanks so so much, Jenny. It is so helpful to hear all about about TikTok and to especially get your your analysis on it. So thank you for for taking some time out of your Sunday. Thank you so much. Um, I'll be curious to see if you guys, you know, get hooked. I'm intrigued. I'm sold, Jen. Same. There's definitely some content I think you would like. There's, There's something for everyone on there. Okay, so um, this this episode is dedicated to Isaac, my coworker. So Isaac, uh, I it came out in the in the kitchen that I had a podcast, and he immediately subscribed. And I was like, you know, our most recent episode's pretty good. And he was like, no, no, I'm starting from the beginning. Oh, I hate it when people do that. I know, I do too. Cause it's you know we're still like finding our groove yeah. or whatever. But he has been a really loyal listener. I'm Aww. so grateful. This guy scoured the internet to find us the most incredible gift. And I 
I like don't know how to ex- one express my gratitude and ever to ever ever repay him for his kindness because this was not an easy gift to find. What if we just dedicate the entire pod to Isaac? Well, there is a way that we can continue to use this <gasps> gift. Really? Oh my god, I'm okay. so excited. Okay. Also, Grace texted me about this when I was in India and I literally was like, get me on the next flight home. Isaac writes. Oh my god, there's a letter? Hello, yeah, typed letter. Hello TBT with Grace and Emma. I've been loving your show even though I am one of the off-brand Zennials. What is that? Um, oh, cusp. On the cusp. And, and his defense, he is actually on the cusp. I'm not critiquing him. No, no, no. I critique Zennials generally, but I will give this to him for sure. Sure. Also because he gave us this gift and he is infallible now. I am so excited to be able to give this to you for your enjoyment and nostalgic reminiscings. I have personally never had one. But I do enjoy a good lollipop, fanciful sticker, and of course, the Spice Girls. This what? is a box of Chupa oh. Chups Spice World oh. lollipops. Okay. Wow. This is Christmas better, though. They were strawberry flavored. Oh my gosh! And they all have, like... A different Spice Girl on it. I want so badly to eat one, but I know that it's a bad idea. I just snotted on my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) But this looks amazing. To my knowledge, this is the last original box of these that were available anywhere. No. I literally... Sorry, this is back to Isaac's letter. I literally scoured eBay and the internets looking for other boxes. I did, however, find a few full sets and collections, but those are no fun. You need the excitement and the anticipation of a completely randomized, unopened box. I was thinking that maybe you can make this into a new segment where you open up one pop on each pod. I hope hope you enjoy this trip down memory lane. Friend of the show, Isaac. Isaac. P.S. They are old. Enjoy with caution. Isaac, thank wow. you. This episode is dedicated to you. This episode and many episodes are dedicated to you, Isaac. This is so generous. Wait, who is yours? Uh, I have Scary. Okay, here's Posh. This is incredible. Oh my gosh. Jerry looking so cute. Oh, thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Isaac. what what i'm so excited about this quiz oh my gosh i'm so excited (laughs) you are going to hate it all right oh really so uh a couple weeks ago my tbt was to the matrix yes then i went on a work trip on which i got very ill and so i couldn't work on the plane (laughs) and so guess what was on the plane the matrix the matrix so I rewatched it, Emma. Okay. Is this quiz about the Matrix? This quiz is about the Matrix! I'm gonna fail <laughs> it! You're gonna do so great. This Ravenclaw is gonna struggle with it. Some of, some of, like, obviously I did not choose a bunch of, like, hard to get. Okay. Ones. Okay, just, you ready? Just do it. All right, the first few are movie specific. Okay. You're gonna love this. All no right. Way. Does Neo choose the red pill or the blue pill? The red pill. Wow, good. I don't know. That was gut instinct. That is correct. Great. What is the Matrix? It's like, 
Get this. I don't feel empowered by this quiz. <laughs> What's the Matrix? Um, it's like the alternative universe that you can exist in, where you like don't die and your body does stuff, but you're hooked. You're you do stuff, but your real body is like hooked up to machines. So you can die in the Matrix. If you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world. That's one of the rules. But otherwise, you are absolutely correct. In a word, the Matrix is control. But you're right. It's a computer-generated dream world to keep us under control. Oh. Yeah. So you were right. Okay. How many biblical references are there in the movie? 300. That's correct. Mine was too many to count. <laughs> the movie also makes references to Lewis Carroll's Alice and, uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Karl Marx, Franz Kafka, Zen philosophy, uh, uh, Homer's Odyssey, the philosopher Jean Baudrillard, and uh, the movie is a modern adaptation of Plato's Allegory of the Cave. What? I did not know that. Oh, so many references. Why didn't we watch The Matrix in my uh, high school... Philosophy class. Good question. Mr. Powers, what was up with you? Jeez. Within three years of release, this particular scene of the first movie had been copied or parodied 20 times. The one where he bends over backwards with the bullets. Yep. The model of phone that Neo receives from Morpheus in an envelope at the beginning of the movie, like when Morpheus yeah. first reaches out to him, uh, it's a Nokia 8110. The first commercial cell phone to be able to do what? Text. Yes. It's killing it. Send SMSs. <laughs> what? Oh, you're going to love this. What famous couple both were considered for the lead roles of Neo and Trinity, um, but both like didn't and either didn't get it or, or turned it down? Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. Nope. Jennifer Aniston. As Trinity in the Matrix. Don't give me that face. America, sweetheart. I, I don't know what Trinity is. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to understand. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Give me like two more. Hold on. Give me two more guesses. Okay. Um. Um. Nineties couple. Uh, they are a couple now. Oh. Warren Beatty and Annette Bening. <laughs> Just no. Kidding. Um, oh, Will Smith and Jada Pickett. Yes! <gasps> Shushing! Wow, well Dang. done. Jada did not end up in, when, with the role of Trinity, but she was in The Matrix Reloaded, oh. a different character. Wow. And w bonus question, what movie did Will turn the job down for? Men in Black. No. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West! <laughs> Interesting bet. All right, I guess you're right that The Matrix is totally not a serious, lasting influence on popular culture, even though this current artist references the movies in their music. Travis Scott. The answer is Drake, Drake. Nas, B.O.B., Rakeem, Absol, Mac Miller, Machine Gun Kelly, C. Flinna, Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> Common, Rick Ross, Donovan, Lamont Johnson, Lupe Fiasco, Wale Fullerin, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Gucci Mane, Lil' Kim, Currency of the Game, Danny Brown, Kid Cudi, Jeezy. All of those okay. artists have referenced <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cultural promotion. You are so sassy today. There's a lot spewing out of you. I feel like oh, you're man. just taking your February angst and putting it on me. I am not your therapist. Oh, man. Anyway. Sorry, that was a great fun. quiz, Gracie. Thanks. Thank you. That was an excellent one. Thank you. Um... I, I'm sure that there were like 
tons of people that picked up their phone and thought, oh man, I should tell Grace and Emma. Um, Joey Fatone won. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Joey Fatone was uh, finally unmasked on the Masked Singer as one of the one of the I would say finalists. I think he was. He was up there. Obviously, T Pain won. Um, but oh, obviously. Congrats to Joey for this. Really, ex- you know, he, it didn't quite catch when he was on Dancing with the Stars. So I'm just so excited for him to have this moment. Oh, to be back in the limelight, get like acknowledged yeah. by his pipes. I feel like people have said his name more in the past year, uh, six months than they have in the past five years. Yeah. And I'm down for that. I'm so excited. Go, him. Joey Fato. Cool. Um, I have some other updates on millennials. I feel like a lot has been happening. Great. Okay, so first of all, um, recent update. Uh, famous Jen Zier and influencer Iris Apatow second daughter of Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann. Um, she's like 16 or 17. She posted a picture today on Instagram of her wearing the ultimate millennial throwback, which is those light colored rimless, frameless glasses, sunglasses, with a rhinestone little symbol in the bottom right hand corner. Wow. In this case, it's a heart do you remember who, like, I feel like wore these ubiquitously? Mm, the- I mean, Celine Dion. Uh, but, I, like, J-Lo. Yeah. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Paris Hilton. Yes. And yes. here comes 16-year-old Iris Apatow, who was just a wee baby when these things came out, bringing them back. Wow. I'm excited for her. Yeah, no kidding. Excited for that trend to return. Oof. Although, I'll tell you who's not excited ophthalmologists but um okay and then one more just quick update that i just want to share um greeting cards have stabilized because of millennials according to our one of our favorite news sources npr millennials are responsible for greeting card sales mm-hmm. stabilizing even in the digital age do you have any thoughts on that i'm not surprised by that at all there's such a market for, like, cute, funny, cheeky greeting cards for all sorts of reasons. And people, I think, are... Like, I can't get over how good people are at making those cards. I have gotten into really enjoying sending cards, but I actually try to make them. But I really, really, really enjoy the act of actually putting something in the mail, knowing that it's pretty atypical for someone on the receiving end to get it. Right. And... And know that, like, there's still an element of kind of joy in that. Yeah. And I also think, like, sometimes I'm exhausted by the idea of texting a friend to tell them that I'm thinking of them. Yeah. Mostly because, like, then I don't want them to text me back. And sometimes I just don't have the capacity to engage in a conversation. But I still want to let them know that I'm thinking of them. Email feels a little too formal. Sure. It also opens up sort of, like, the back and forth. And I feel like I'm inevitably setting myself up to fail when it comes to the response time. Mm -hmm. But a card... It shows up. You don't even know when it shows up, but you just know that at some point they're going to get a little indication from you that you're thinking of them. Yeah. There's something very traditional about that and obviously old fashioned, quote unquote, old fashioned. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciate because I think it captures an essence of human relationships that we have moved away from with this like heightened level of accessibility of the people that we love Mm -hmm. through through media. Yeah, and I think it's true. Like our, I do think our generation has a soft spot for snail mail. 
basically, I'm here to say I'm very proud to be part of the generation that is helping to sustain the greeting card industry. Mm. Yeah. Even hey. if sometimes those greeting cards cost $7 at Anthropology because they have some, like, gold leaf script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, we didn't kill an industry. We're actually... Uh... Keeping it alive. Yeah. And it's... I think... Okay, so... What? Well, it just makes me think that it's one of those industries that you would... I'm, I feel confident in the past people would have predicted, oh, this is the kind of industry that will die. Yeah. And it hasn't. Because, Unexpectedly. Yeah, because it serves that need of, like, allow, like, I need to show someone extra care or, like, this makes me laugh and I know will be enjoyed by someone and, and like, compliments my cute gift really well, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's great. Nice. Millennials in politics. Yay! Let's talk Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> I just... I want to talk Pete Buttigieg all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly just... I, I did some, you know, compiled a little, a few details that I just feel like are relevant. Um, and then we can maybe maybe chat a little bit about what it means that good old Petey is running for, for Prez. And is a millennial. And is a millennial. Uh, he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana right now uh he's openly gay 37 and a white dude his main platform that he's running on is intergenerational justice intergenerational justice like we see you pete like a part i i just think his millennialness is a central part of his campaign yeah uh, is how i understand that he was a Rhodes Scholar, a veteran. He is a veteran. Um, he was a naval intelligence officer. And his last name is Maltese for Lord of the Poultry. <laughs> and my last name means bird hunter. So I feel I feel connected in that way. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a wise. I'm pretty sure there's a world in which you would go out into the fields, shoot down some geese, and deliver it on bended knee to Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Tell me more. What do you think is significant about um, his millennialness and his campaign and his identity? And what is intergenerational justice? So I think so. Sorry, here's a quick sorry. quote about from Pete about intergenerational justice. He says, short-term versus long-term helps to explain a lot of the policy disagreements that happen between the parties, and I would argue that in most ways, we are the party with more long-term thinking. I'm assuming he means Democrats. And I think that he basically then goes on to sort of talk about some of the really important events that influence our, us as, as a younger generation. Um, he talks about how he says, if you're my age or younger, you were in high school when the school shootings became widespread. You're going to be dealing with climate change for most of your adult life. The consequences to debt, we're on track to make less than our parents. Um, and we are the generation that provided most of the troops for the post 9-11 wars. So I think there's like a real, um, a real important stake that we have in politics. And I mm -hmm. also think with that, there comes this idea of like burden and the burden of being a generation with a, a huge veteran population that comes mm -hmm. from the post 9-11 wars specifically which we know are like really different than a lot of the previous wars because they've been so long lasting the burden of debt 
the burden of making less than our parents, the burden of climate change. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that sits on our shoulders. And I think his point about sort of like equating for that and how we engage with our politics and our policies is really important to highlight. Yeah, totally. It looks like you found something. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to, not to, um, like, I, I think this is complemented really well by a recent quote from AOC in um, Rolling Stone. Um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, one of the things that I bring to the table as, you know, in parentheses, as, as a millennial she's talking about, uh, is a visceral understanding that people under 40 have been shaped by an entirely different set of events. We've literally grown up in different Americas. They were shaped by a Cold War America, a post-World War II America, and we are an Iraq War America, a 9-11 America, a hyper-capitalist has never worked for us, Great Recession America. People are used to talking about millennials as if we're teenagers. Yeah. We're in our 30s now. We're raising kids and getting married and having families, and we have mortgages and student loan debt. It's important that Congress is in touch. People tend to interpret this as me railing against older people and being ageist, but that's not what this is about. It's a problem of representation. We don't have enough intergenerational representation. We largely have one generation. That's not to say one generation should be out of power. It's that others should be here as well. Yep. So to me, that speaks a lot to what intergenerational justice is, right? It's not about, like, now millennials have all of the power and transitioning that over, but about distributing power amongst folks who have different experiences, and that means along generational lines as well. Yeah. And that's why I think what Peter, Pete Buttigieg is representing as someone of the millennial generation who sees that as a central element of their campaign um, really speaks to this injustice of power when these are folks who are experiencing unique challenges and um, have unique demands of our government and don't have as much of a strong presence at the moment. Yeah. 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 And that's not to say that I'm here to endorse Pete Buttigieg because he's running on an intergenerational justice He has platform. not earned our endorsement. Right. Yet. Like, like I, I don't think that because he's a millennial and cares about that part of his identity and the implications for that in a presidency, that's not a reason to vote for him. No. But I, or like, it's not the reason to vote for him, but I do think it's, it's refusing to ignore a central element of what he brings to the table that others don't yeah. are currently running. Yeah. Just in the way that other candidates are bringing unique factors as well. Yeah. And some aren't. <laughs> they just you know? aren't they just aren't or or like their their unique perspective is in their policy or whatever it is yeah keep on keeping on everyone Ooh, yeah. i'm excited for pete Buttigieg to say the words intergenerational justice and yeah. debate <laughs> me too take a shot every time pete Buttigieg <laughs> says intergenerational justice anytime any politician says millennials oh my gosh yeah. Just get wasted. New drinking game. Although millennials are starting to have bad hangovers, so. Oh my gosh, so true. Ugh. Emma, good point. Ugh. Everyone drink a lot of water, okay? <laughs> Pop that Advil. Great. TBT. TBT. I do have one. Oh, great. Today. I'm so excited. I've, I've been sitting on it. Ooh, I can't wait. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Well, whatever you would prefer. Okay, real quick. TBT. 
butterfly clips. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't done this. Shocking. What it's a just, spectacular fashion. There's just so much material. Butterfly clips, for those who may not recall, were those... Well, they came in different sizes, but really the ones that really took hold of the mainstream were um, about an inch big, maybe even less, usually in pastel colors. Often they came with some sort of like sparkle to them, and they were plastic, Mm -hmm. and they were those little claw clips, but instead of just being shaped like a typical claw clip, they were shaped like a butterfly. Mm -hmm. And often, I mean, they ended up in all sorts of places on one's head and sometimes other parts of your body as well. What? <laughs> Sorry, I just what? mean like sometimes you clip them to your shirt to keep them. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, yes. Or, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure someone had fun times in a seventh grade science class with a butterfly clip and, <laughs> and another part of your body. But, um, <laughs> someone. <laughs> Not. Uh, <laughs> Some people might have done that. I just that. have a really active imagination. <laughs> um, but they were often used to tie back hair after it had been twisted into sort of like a faux cornrow Mm -hmm. and you would often like make these braids or corn like cornrows or twists yeah in your hair and then the way that you would ultimately secure it would be with a butterfly clip and like the dream was to have probably like eight Mm -hmm. perfectly measured perfectly aligned perfectly Mm -hmm. distributed uh uh twists in your hair Mm -hmm. that were all held equidistant from each other with a perfectly centered butterfly clip yeah hopefully with like a pattern of colors Mm -hmm. of um, course making like a rainbow arc across the top of your uh 12 year old beautiful head of hair and um i just really loved how much they showed they were everywhere yeah they were really truly everywhere it was did you have some oh Oh, yes. And they were so useful because I also like, you know, like you do dance or you play sports and like you could use them there. Although like I feel like, yeah, they were just they were all over the place. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. What about your experience with butterfly clips? I definitely had them. Yeah. But the texture of my hair is such that they there was no way they would hold my hair in place. Yeah. So like the idea of being able to play soccer in them was not I don't even know if I ever successfully really wore them all that much because my, they would just fall out. Yeah. Just my hair is so thin or like my my it's hair just, is so fine. Yeah, and slick. And and thick and slick. So it's like heavy but also slick. Yeah. So it didn't stay in place. But god, I'm yeah, they were just everything. Yeah. They were everything. So someday we'll bring them back. I oh, think we might have to wait a minute. We may have to, but there's that I could so see coming back in style. If I have a kid, I'm going to force them to wear it. Yeah. Just, just, just for fun. I mean, that, and I also am thinking of those hair clips that were like, they were like, um, like longer and thinner. And then they, in the middle, had like a teddy bear or a bow. Yeah. Or like, you know, the bendy clips. Yeah. And you like snap them into place. Yeah. Like a barrette. Yeah. But like barrette. But like white pastel. Or, oh, sorry. Like uh, opaque pastel colors. Yeah. Um, wow. What a time I for used like to, fun hair clips. Yeah. I used to, um, I had some of those and I used to always like kind of play with them in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like just now remembering the taste and smell mm. of the like plastic gel covering that went over the top of it. Yeah. They I'm were literally really fun to like click. 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 Yeah. In your mouth. I'm literally, I'm having like a visceral middle school memory moment. 
So glad. Speaking of middle school memories, um, homework for next week. We need to watch some of that uh, new series, Pen15. Yes. We will definitely have updates for that next week mm-hmm. or in, in our next episode in a fortnight. Great. Do you have access to Hulu? Yep. Oh, great. Okay. Let's watch it. Great. My TB... Are you, anything I'm done. Else? Okay. My TBT, um, when I was in Seattle two weeks ago, two weekends ago, um, my friends and I started knitting and watching music videos. <gasps> and we st- the one we started with was Celine Dion's... Um, when you kiss me like this, you gotta da, sing louder. Da, 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 da. It's all coming back to me now. All coming back, all coming back to me now. I'm unfamiliar with that tune. She's Louise. Ooh. Okay, anyway, the point Next is. Next week, a quiz about Celine Dion. <laughs> clearly. Wait, that would be really fun, though. No. Okay. Um. Anyway, the point is, if you watch the music video, it is like, you know, Celine Dion in a billowy open window room with, like, long white curtains blowing and, like, a bed with white sheets and there's, like, wind. Yeah. Like and the Faith Hill music video for Breathe. So I... My TBT is to music videos where you're like in a big empty house <laughs> with big giant windows and big curtains like blowing. Like we kept following. We just used that as a jumping off point because then we were like, oh, my gosh, remember this music video? Yeah. Remember that music video? Yeah. So absolutely like Faith Hills breathe. I thought and this might actually be in the 80s. Um, but I thought of Meatloaf's uh, I Would Do Anything for Love. There's a lot of, like, oh. billowy moments. I would do anything for love, but I, I won't, won't do that. Shouts out to music videos that had, you know, it's just, like, a ballad. And I think this does extend into the 80s, too. I'm not saying yeah. it's, like, unique to the 90s or early 1000s. But I just th- I, we just went through a litany of music videos that were, like, ballads with all of these giant open windows yeah. and, like, people barefoot in a flowy gown, you know? Yeah. Oh. Anyway. We'll have to post some. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Gracie. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for going on that wondrous wild ride with us, everyone. Yeah. Hang in there. <laughs> it's going to be well into March by the time we release this. But um, February was a doozy. What? Yeah, like March 5th. Yeah. 6th. Oh, okay. That's, like, well in. That's a weekend. Sorry, I thought I thought you meant something different. Oh no. Um thanks for hanging in there team. Keep on keeping on. We'll all get to May eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Grace. Thanks Emma. See you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight. Apologies again for all of my sniffling. Y'all are the best for hanging in there. <laughs> Bye.